Blog Talk Radio. The following is a presentation of the Alliance-Wrestling.com. This is the Alliance Guys podcast on Blog Talk Radio for Alliance-Wrestling.com. Hey guys, this is Jay Cal. You are tuned in to the Alliance Guys podcast. And uh, so far, it's just me tonight. Um, we're eagerly anticipating the arrival of one referee, Robert Odie Brown. If you hear from him or see him, tell him to call in. The telephone number is 657-383-1543. Again, that number is 657-383-1543. So this is the Alliance Guys podcast, and uh looks like our caller is on. Hello. Hey, you're on with the Alliance Guys. Hey, how's it going out there? Hey, is this uh is this Mr. Odie Brown? It sure is. Hey, well, hey, man, welcome to the show. Um, Thank you. So for guys who are new to our show or just are unfamiliar, uh, the Alliance Guys podcast is a podcast that centers on the NWA and uh, by virtue of connectivity, the United Wrestling Network. Um, We talk about what's going on in the NWA. We also talk about what's going on in the uh, various uh, allied promotions that are in the United Network. Um, today, we're talking to Mr. Referee Robert O'Brown uh, about how you got into the business and and really where you see the business going. And, and of course, we're going to talk about your time in championship wrestling from Hollywood. But give the fans who don't know, well, first of all, is it Odie? Is it Robert? I mean, what, what should I be calling? Uh, I go by Odie. Odie, preferably. And I, I thought that was the case, but I just, uh, you know, don't want to offend. Oh, yeah. Uh, no offense at all. Like, uh, I don't really mind either way. Uh, Odie's just kind of like everybody seemed like they had another. I mean, it was a, a nickname of mine before I got into wrestling, but um, kind of seemed a little weird to go by, like, your real first name in uh, wrestling, no matter who you were. So I just kind of stayed with it. That works. And you grew up in uh, Northern California, correct? Uh, I did. I uh, grew up in um, Sonoma County and Contra Costa County a bit, um, specifically in the San Francisco Bay Area. Uh, I moved in with um, my dad uh, a little way through middle school and kind of bounced around the country a little bit. He was a military. And then, um, yeah, I came back to the Bay Area maybe like 10 years ago now. Oh, wow. So you... You uh, you've been around in different places. Where was uh, outside of uh, the Bay Area? Where else would you consider home? Um, I lived in uh, Southern California for a while uh, in my youth, and just for a while, um, not too long ago here, um, I lived in like Barstow for a couple of years, uh, and then in Kansas for some of high school and most of college. Um, Lived in Washington for a little bit with my mom and my sister. Just kind of a little all over. Uh, you really have been yeah. everywhere. Uh, Barstow, huh? 
Yeah, Barstow, great play. <laughs> uh, I, there's hot. like three. There's like three things to do in Barstow: McDonald's, Del Taco, or uh, yeah, there's two things to do in Barstow. <laughs> no, there's a third. There's a third. It's McDonald's, Del Taco, or turn to get to Vegas because that's the there only is. thing that Barstow's good for. <laughs> It was uh, it was funny. Just uh, a couple weekends ago, my family and I were out in Vegas, and instead of taking the 15 home, we ended up taking like, um, gosh, I don't even know what the freeway was, but it it actually was went through the Mojave Desert. So we ended up like oh, 29 miles, and we're like, yeah. hey, let's <laughs> let's see America, you know, well California, let's just see it. Yeah, we don't have to make that drive ever again. Nope, sure don't. And you realized how much you didn't need to make it the first time either. <laughs> <laughs> so I used to live in a uh, a military base uh, 30 miles straight into the desert from Barstow called Forter. When, and, like, every time we drove out there, I was just like, what am I doing? You were a good son, that's all. You were just uh, just following, the, following your family, right? Right, yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about how you broke into the business. I mean, so many of us start off as fans. Uh, there's only a select few that take that next step, whether it be uh, behind the scenes promoting or uh, booking or, you know, guys who actually train to be inside the ring, like referees and the actual wrestlers. Um, tell me about your experience and how you got into uh, being a referee. Uh, sure. It was kind of a, um, a lot of really crazy coincidences and just kind of like following doors that opened just kind of like one after another. And that kind of seems to be like uh, the process that I've been on almost the whole time. But um, when I was a kid in the Bay area, like 15, 16, I used to go to underground like punk shows uh, in Oakland that I was way too young to be going to. Um, (laughs) And a friend of mine, um, would go to them as well, a uh, friend that I knew through the shows. Um, but then I stopped going. The place that we went to, like, shut down, and I was, like, 16, 17, something like that. Um, and I didn't see him again for probably, like, I want to say, like, 10 years. Uh, but we stayed friends on social media, so I still recognize his face. And I got back into wrestling um, in, like, 2011, I think. Uh, and my... Um, my girlfriend at the time um, was a really big Miz fan because of like, you know, the real world back in the day and everything. And uh, there was a signing and I was trying to do anything that I could to get her more interested in wrestling. So I was like, all right, cool. Let's go to this Miz signing. It's at this Kmart in San Leandro. Um, And I'm standing in line and dude that I haven't seen in like 10 years is standing right behind me. And I'm just like, what are you doing with your life? And he's like, I'm wrestling in San Jose. You should come check it out. And I go and, uh, the company that he's wrestling for, UGWA, like, um, uh, is uh, a, a group of people who like to wrestle in their backyard. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they're uh, they're trying to like more legitimize their show right now. They uh, are getting like venues and other more trained wrestlers and stuff like that. Um, but what I noticed was that all of the wrestlers were just trading the referee shirt between them like after their matches were over you know like they'd have a singles match and one of the guys would stay while the other guy went to the back and he'd put on the ref shirt and ref the next match and I'm like that's that's not good how about I 
do you guys want a, a, a Raz? And they're like, oh, yeah, here you go. And they just gave me the shirt. And they were like, yeah, do it. Don't you guys want to train me at all? They're like, ah, you like wrestling. You'll probably figure it out. Like, they gave me some tips and pointers along the way, but um, it wasn't until, uh, do you know who Sparky Ballard is? Yes. Yeah, so Sparky Ballard, uh, for anybody who's listening who doesn't know, is uh, one of our more senior referees in all of California. He uh, is based out of Pacifica, California, which is just south of San Francisco. He has a school there called Gold Rush Pro Wrestling. Um, It's a continuation of the All Pro Wrestling Boot Camp, which I highly recommend. Um, But they came through, and uh, Sparky was just there to, like, see a show one time, I think. And somebody was like, that's the best referee in California. You should go talk to him. I was like, okay. (laughs) I picked his brain a little bit, and uh, he gave me some really good advice that, like, I still use to this day. And uh, the best piece of advice that he gave me was, like, you know, if you want to legitimately, like, work in wrestling, like, there's schools that aren't that far from you. You should go and seek one out. And uh, he put me in contact with um, the Suburban Commandos, and uh, I started training with them maybe, like, six months after that. Um, and, yeah, that was kind of how I got in. I stayed with them for a while, and then I uh, left their school and went and trained with Sparky for a little while, probably, like, six months, and then um, I just kind of started working shows. Now, I uh, I recanted the, our moment when I first met you uh, on Twitter earlier today, and for those who didn't follow who don't follow me on Twitter, which I don't understand why you're not following me on Twitter, you should follow <laughs> at first to third. Um, I showed up to a championship wrestling from Hollywood event. Now I've been going to these shows back before that they were even called championship wrestling from Hollywood, uh, the NWA really? Showcase. Uh, oh yeah, uh, I've known Dave Marquez since about two. I've I've known him, and I would call him a friend since about 2006. Um, but uh, I've been going to shows that he's been promoting since 2002, going back to the uh, Japan Dojo, the Ultimate Pro Wrestling, the uh, Extreme Pro Wrestling. Um, but uh, I had been very familiar with Dave's group um, when they were at the Showcase Theater uh, in Hollywood at the Glendale studios. Um, and when, mm-hmm. and also the ocean view, I, I had gone to a lot of the shows when they first got there, but, uh, you know, living on the, uh, in Moreno Valley and commuting out to, and I, you know, I know the kind of commutes that you make, so I'm not trying to get any, uh, <laughs> Oh no, there's no like comparison here. I mean, like, Oxnard's a long drive for people who are in LA, you know, like <laughs> yeah. it's just, uh, it's a long drive. I, I, I have a really weird, uh, like inner turmoil when I hear people talk about, uh, how far it is. Cause it's like, I totally get it, but it's also really good free wrestling. So it's like, yes, you know what I mean? But obviously you've been watching wrestling for so long that like really good wrestling doesn't really like sway <laughs> anymore, you know? Well, I mean, it, it does and it doesn't. Um, uh, because I have made made my way out there uh, when certain things happen. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I know still that. come all the time. Yeah, but you know, there was a while there where I'd taken some time off from wrestling, not not following it, but just actually going to shows. And uh, you know, it's a, it's a two hour drive there, a two hour drive home. So we're talking about a four hour drive for three hours worth of wrestling, which still, yeah, free admission. 
But you have to kind of start second-guessing some of your decisions when you've got a beautiful wife at home, you've got three beautiful daughters, and you're, you're leaving them all at home so you can watch right. guys rest. So, yep. so, I mean, opportunity cost, right? But um, the things that I really about you right off. Oh, I'm um, kind of losing you a little bit with signal. Oh, okay, hold on here. Let me let me see what I can do. Um, okay, I got you. Is this is any better? better? Is better? Yeah. Oh, oh. Um, so what I appreciated uh, when I did uh, meander my way into the backstage area of Championship Wrestling from Hollywood, but you know, honestly, there's been a lot of change, and yeah, I recognize some of the names, but some of the guys who was very familiar with were no longer there. And as I peeked around the building, you know, some of the referees that I knew were no longer there. Some of the guys in production that I knew were no longer there. So not that I'm ever to be intimidated or anything, but I just, you know, I didn't see any familiar faces. And lo and behold, you walked up to me. And um, I think we were already friends on Facebook at that moment. I don't know if you knew that. We were, uh, yeah. I remember you uh, commenting on that when we, like, first kind of, like, officially – in person met each other. Right. And, uh, and I don't think you realized it when you sat down and talked to me and I thought that was really cool. And I think, um, you know, as extroverted as I can be, I'm a natural introvert. So I, I, I always, you know, I've always said this, if I know you, we're cool, man. And I can talk all day with you. If I don't know you, it's very hard for me to just, Hey man, what's going on? But uh, it, you put me at ease that I could talk to you very easily, and I thought that was very cool. And in a scene where, you know, at least in SoCal, things get to be very clickish, I thought that was really yeah. cool of you, man. So uh, I've always held a higher that. level Thank of respect you, for you because of that. Thank you. It's something and that I, I've just kind of um, has always been a part of my personality. Like my mom will tell stories all the time about how when I was like, you know, three or four or whatever, like, I would always, you know, just uh, just uh, pull away from whatever she was doing and start talking to a total stranger. And she'd be like, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, I made a friend. This is Chuck. <laughs> whatever, you know, like. <laughs> right. Uh, I I never really, um, like, I have social anxiety like anybody else, but I'm not, like, afraid of people, you know what I mean? I, I feel like everybody's just a person that, uh, you know, wants to be engaged and spoken to like anybody else was. It's it's yeah. interesting you say that, afraid, because, I, like, you know, just self-analyzing here, and this is kind of getting off topic, but I've never really looked at it as being afraid. I just look at it as disinterested. If that, And I don't mean to be yeah, condescending <laughs> or egotistical. But it's just like, well, I don't know you, so I'm not going to bother wasting my time trying to get to know you. I still have best friends uh, in my life who I have known since I was in elementary school. One of my oldest friends who actually, uh, he does a radio show on the local uh, community college out here. He, uh, <laughs> I've known him since I was five years old, and we still have maintained our friendship over, gosh, 35 years now. So uh, for me, it's... it's yeah, right. But it's like uh, I'm not the first one to go out there and meet new people and make new friends. Anyways, we're getting off topic, but um, I always thought that was cool, and I really respected that about you. And it made it very easy to to discuss wrestling. Um, and I think that was really cool 
but the point I'm trying to make is uh, you opening up that window allows us to start communicating more on Facebook. Um, even though your opinion on Shield is blasphemous, um, <laughs> I've come. Wait, what's my opinion on Shield? <laughs> I, I think you actually like it, but I you had said something where uh, you said that the uh, new cloak and dagger was a better show. And I'm like, wait, hold now. Oh, you mean that shield? See, I'm in like wrestling mode and I'm like, what are you talking about? I like the shield. (laughs) And I actually do really like uh, Marvel shield too. I just thought cloak and dagger was better. Felt like uh, shield got a little too uh, overproduced and cranked out uh, a little too mechanically. You know what I mean? Like, um, Felt a little too much like one of the like CW shows or something. Uh, see, I I, 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 can, I can see that point, but I actually uh, I really dig it. I don't know. It's I've heard people say, "Oh, I jumped off after the first episode." I'm like, "Oh man, you missed a lot of good TV, brother." Right? There's so much good stuff with like Quake and the Inhumans, and like I watched all the way through Ghost Rider. I mean, like I really dug the show. I think I was really like. People took it as a way of, like, bashing S.H.I.E.L.D., but I was trying to take an example of, like, one of the more successful shows that they've made and, uh, like, show how much I was interested in Cloak and Dagger. You know what I mean? Yeah, I was not wrestling either. (laughs) Mostly I was just busting your chops because, uh, again, I feel like uh, even though we've only known each other for a short time, I feel like I've known you for a while. And um, what's kind of engaging about, um, also, Nick uh, Bonanno from Championship Wrestling from Hollywood. In the same way, I've known him a short period of time, but I felt I feel very close to both of you guys. And I, you know, I don't really know you, know you, except for what you know what we see on Facebook and our five to ten minute conversations at shows. But um, sure. like I said, you guys are really engaging, and I'm you know I'm glad you guys are in Hollywood. I appreciate that. So. Let's talk a minute um, before we get into the uh, state of professional wrestling. You literally mm-hmm. are traveling 680 miles in between uh, where uh, East Bay Pro Wrestling runs and where Championship Wrestling <laughs> from Hollywood runs. That is yeah. some dedication, my man. And, I mean, you kind of said it earlier that you're used to traveling as a youngster uh, you know, living in different areas. Not too many wrestling officials are traveling that great a distance to do to do these shows. What is it that compels you to to uh, I guess try to make a mark in in so many different areas? I'm actually really glad that you would ask that for a couple of different reasons because I feel like um, you're right in a sense of like. I do travel a really long way uh, to the Hollywood tapings, um, and they're maybe like the ratio, like there's not that many referees who do that, but uh, I think um, because they're not as vocal about it, there's a lot of guys who don't get the recognition that they deserve for the amount of travel that they'll do for ref work. So like, do you know who um, uh, Alexander Goldstein Goggles is, the referee? No, I, I'm sorry. I'm not familiar with them. It's okay. Like, none of this is, like, to put shame on anybody or anything. I'm just really excited that you brought it up um, on this platform that you have so I can kind of shine a little bit more light onto some 
of the goings-ons of, like, the referees who don't necessarily get, uh, who don't put it out there for themselves because they want to be humble, you know what I mean? Well, um, absolutely. So so let me just say this real quick, too. Like, um, in the past, I've had, like, Brandon Toll on this show. Uh, I've also had uh, Jay Greenfield on this show. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with That's either awesome one of those hear. guys. I huh? do know Brent, uh or I don't know, but, like, I'm familiar with uh, Brandon Toll, and Jay Greenfield rings a bell. Um, you know, his uh, – I'm sorry, his – that was his uh, shoot name. <laughs> Oops. Uh, oh, his there it is. <laughs> his, his, uh, his ring name is Jay Stone. And um, gotcha. I've known yeah. I've known both of those guys for a while. They've they've both appeared on this podcast, and uh, you know I know Jay was had a deal where he was going out to Florida to referee a few shows, and uh, went out to w- Wisconsin to referee a few shows, and he kind of had a bucket list of where he wanted to go, and it was almost like, hey, yeah. you know, check this off my list. Now I feel like I've accomplished something. Check this off my list. I have this sense of accomplishment. And Brandon Toll was just, um, I mean, he's probably the most professional referee I know because uh, his whole thing was, I'm just getting booked. That's all I'm doing is this is just getting the next booking. Where where can I referee next? That's all he was yeah. looking at. Um, so when I see somebody like you, and again, you know, you're traveling these great distances, but it's like, it's pretty routine. And it's, I mean, I don't think it's a bucket list for you at this point. And, um, you know, so I, go ahead. I'm sorry. I, I didn't want to cut you off. But it's I okay. So that, uh, no worries. We, for me, the show my goals always- have always, uh, my goals have always just been, um, uh, always have been motivated by they is they, uh, excuse me. I'm getting like, uh, thrown up. My goals have always been, uh, WWE, um, whatever right. I have to do, whatever hoops I have to jump through, whoever I have to work for, um, you know, like while maintaining a a good reputation and everything. But um, every decision that I've made so far along the way has been uh, in an effort to get there. So the first year that I started, I was kind of like, okay, I'm going to do every show that I possibly can. I'm going to meet everybody that I can. I'm going to work as much of Northern California as possible and just uh, cross as many of these names off to my list as I can, just so I can have an idea of, like, who's around me and where I can work. And through that, I learned that uh, basically in California, the best way to get a foot in the door is to work for people who've worked with them before and who are still in, you know, a good, friendly working relationship with them. And, uh, you know, it came up over and over again that, like, Dave Marquez has worked with everybody and championship wrestling from Hollywood is one of the best, if not the only place on the West coast uh, to like really get trained for TV. And if that's the goal that you have, then that's a door you have to go through. And um, I, again, like coincidence and luck have been a huge part of uh, my career so far. Um, Hollywood Championship Wrestling from Hollywood uh, was trying to branch out into a San Francisco market a couple of years ago, and they came up here to right. do a, uh, a, a show in San Francisco, and I had heard about it and heard the reputation of the show. And um, Funny story, before I even started getting trained, uh, I was photographing wrestling, um, and I went on a trip with Devin Chen, a uh, local wrestling photographer, one of the better um, photographers probably just in wrestling in my opinion, but, um, 
you could say the best. I, I, I don't think there's anyone better out there than him right now. <laughs> He's pretty all, fantastic, right? Everyone else is, you know, battling for second. You know, and, and I say that with a camera. I don't, in hand I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I got if we're gonna throw out some names, I gotta say Mikey Nolan and Mark Johnston. Like those three, I think are pretty much the absolute like pinnacle of wrestling photography, at least in the West Coast. Since I haven't met everybody, obviously. Um, but those three are just each one of them battling back and forth for who like is the just top of the um, scene. Anyway, um, I went on a trip with Devin to uh, shoot some wrestling. He took me to PWG and he took me to Hollywood. And that was where I kind of first got my introduction as to like who they were and what they were. You know, like I came to a red carpet rumble. I saw AJ Styles wrestle Trent question mark. Um, I saw Cole Cabana, <laughs> X-Pac, and, you know, Jake the Snake Roberts. And I was just like, you know, this was before I trained and realized that any of these people would ever be, like, this accessible to me, um, you know, through working shows together or whatever. But, uh, yeah, it, it was just crazy. And then so they come up to do this San Francisco show, and immediately I'm like, okay, this is the show that was a really big deal that I went to. I need to get involved with them as much as uh, as quickly as – not as quickly as – as quickly as possible. Anyway, um, I go to the show and uh, I tell them, you know, I have my gear, any kind of referee work that you guys need, uh, I'm 100% down. And they're like, that's cool, but we already have four referees here. Can you ring an ounce? And I come from a theater background. Uh, I've been in theater since I was like 10 years old. Uh, my other passion in life is acting. And I was like, I've never done it, but I can sure talk into a microphone. I don't have a suit, but I have a black V-neck. Is that cool? And uh, they put me out there, and I was the most unprofessional-looking, stumbling (laughs) my way through ring announcer ever, but I did it uh, when they just, you know, threw me on the spot. And um, I went up to them after we were done, and I was like, yeah, you know, if you guys ever need another referee at a taping, uh, I'm willing to come down to Hollywood. I'd love to come and work with you guys. And uh, they called me on my bluff which wasn't really a bluff, obviously, but they called me on it, like, right that second. They're like, cool, we have a taping tomorrow. And tomorrow was Valentine's Day. Oh, <laughs> <And> no. <laughs> I, had, <laughs> I had just gotten married and was like, oh, um, let me double check with the wife real quick. <laughs> right. uh, but luckily, she had that Monday off and um, was like, yeah, this is really important and you need to go and make this happen. And so I went down and spent my first Valentine's Day as a married man at Hollywood, uh, kind of meeting everybody and learning how things went. And after a couple more trips down there, they invited me to be a part of the ref roster. Crazy how that happened. <laughs> well, that that's an amazing story. Uh, first of all, that your wife didn't immediately ask for a divorce. And secondly, <laughs> she, she's so supportive. Uh, that's awesome. And, you know, I've never met your wife, but props to her for being that kind of a woman. That's, that's amazing. Um, She's pretty crazy supporter. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, and I, you know, I know a little bit of your, your personal life and I know you were living out here for a while and she was living up North for a while. And I know that's gotta be tough, but you know, you both have your own you know, focus and dreams and things you want to accomplish. So, I mean, hats off to both of you guys for making that work, but um, thank you. Yeah. I'm all about the positivity and the love in this world. And I think we could all use a little bit more of it. So, you know, when you rec for me, when I recognize someone who's 
got that going on. I like to, you know, that's a good thing. Um, the other funny uh, story is you were there uh, with Devin shooting that uh, championship wrestling from Hollywood. The That was actually Father's Day, and I know that because I dragged my family to that show. <laughs> and uh, I actually, that was one of the few times that um, Marquez, one of the first times Marquez let me shoot, and I was actually up um, up on the mezzanine taking photos. Okay. So I was up on the second floor because, <laughs> you know, I've always been very uh, timid about uh, assuming the uh, assuming the uh, ability to take photos that shows. I mean, it's one thing to sit in your seat and take a photo as a fan. It's another thing when you jump in uh, ringside and try to take photos during the show. So I've always been very reluctant, especially at the Hollywood where you've got camera operators uh, going around ringside. So I was like as far away as I could get from the ring, taking photos from up and above. And I thought that was, I was really impressed with my work that day, but uh, it's funny you were there too. So that's pretty cool. It's funny how these things come full circle. (laughs) Yeah. So you, you start working in championship wrestling from Hollywood you're continuing to referee in, I believe in, in, I know East Bay Pro Wrestling. I think you are still refereeing for APW. Is that true? Um, I, I think I like kind of like missed the, there's a lot of parts of my training that I didn't really, um, that, that people get that I didn't really get. I didn't really realize when I started working somewhere that they would expect me to work there continuously. Not to say that that was the case for APW, but um, I've always thought of bookings as like, uh, at least for a referee, like, um, you know, just getting scheduled as they come and taking them as they come. So uh, when you say like you were refing for East Bay or you're refing for APW, I'm just now in my career realizing, like, playing catch-up, that that's how people think of it, as opposed to in my shoes when I was there at the time. Uh, it was like, oh, can I get on this date? Oh, can I get on this date? Not, oh, I'm your regular referee. I'll be there all the time. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, and and, and that might be a misconception we have as someone from the other side of the, uh, you know, I think Other that you have it right and that I uh, kind of just like got my wires crossed or maybe something like nobody told me when I was first coming in because, um, yeah, that's kind of always been my MO in uh, in my career. Like a lot of guys that I know will find a good company and they'll stay with it and like branch out to a couple other companies and stay with them and just work for them as long as they can trying to build a reputation and work their career. For me, I was always like, okay, what's the list of all the companies in California? Okay, I want to work for all of them at least once. And then I'm going to pick the ones that are either like I enjoy the people there the most or I enjoy, you know, like the payout the most or the the, um, chance for exposure or growth or, you know, like uh, whatever it is. But, yeah, it was always just kind of trying to see as much as possible rather than stay in one place and stay there forever. Because, like, my goal was always climb as high as I can to the WWE. And like, I kind of set a, a really limited time for myself. I started training when I was 25 and, uh, I was like a lot of people, you know, no knock against them. Uh, they do this forever and they don't end up, 
uh, with that company, and that's fine. Everybody gets to decide whatever they want to do with their careers. Um, no shame in any avenue, honestly. But for me, I wanted to make sure I dedicated my efforts as uh, tenaciously as I could. So uh, I told myself by 30, I wanted to try and get at least a tryout or at least looked at by WWE. Um, So yeah, I just kind of have gone from camp to camp trying to climb the ladder. Anyway, the point you were trying to make is, yes, I was working at East Bay and uh, local wrestling at the time while uh, I started working for a championship as well. You know what? And uh, I just realized we completely uh, ran over something you were talking about earlier, and I'd like to get back to that. You were about to uh, give some praise to the referees who have kind of, uh, I don't want to say trailblazed, but uh, kind of... uh, enlighten you to on this path you were you were talking about uh a gentleman in particular yeah, who's I, yeah i get what you're saying um the people that really like go out there and uh put the miles on their body and their car and their wallets to go and referee shows and like uh, a lot of people don't know about it because there isn't really a platform for it um but yeah the guy i mentioned earlier alexander goldstein goggles like he goes to Mexico on a very regular basis for, you know, like uh, the crash and like Lucha Hero, uh, Heroes of Lucha, things like that. There's another referee that I'm pretty close to. Uh, I kind of like, I was friends with him in high school and kind of dragged him into the business a little bit and started his ref training before I left the school that we were at. And he's, um, his name's uh, Referee Wiggles, Shane Wignall. Um, and he travels regularly you know like hours out of the way i mean a lot of the referees do um sparky ballard his ring crew is responsible for i'd say like at least 70 percent of the shows that um take place north of you know like central california i'm not even sure where he's setting up right now but uh when i was still with them they were going all the way as far as like santa maria for nwa vendetta sometimes um you know, they wow. go all the way up into Sacramento, like Sparky goes all the way up to Chico on a regular basis. You know, he'd come down to L.A. sometimes. Um, I know Rick Knox and Justin Borden go out to Vegas regularly for uh, Future Stars of Wrestling. You know, the guys at Hollywood go out to Arizona for Championship Wrestling from Arizona. Like, right. a lot of referees put a lot of miles on their bodies. Um, they just don't talk about it because, like, yeah, uh, they don't I really think, feel the need to make a big deal out of it. I think I think Mick Bonanno also has refereed out in uh, CZW too, right? Um, I'm not 100% sure if he physically was there. I think that he did. I know he's done CZW matches uh, for us yeah. at Hollywood, and I'm okay. pretty sure that he's done it. He's from New York originally, so... A handful of us, you know, like, we'll travel to another part of the country, and then uh, if the opportunity affords itself and we have a relationship with another company, you know, we'll, like, go in for a night or something like that. Um, I don't know if that's the only thing that he's done, but uh, I think that he's gone over for something of that sort. And then, obviously, he worked with uh, New York um, City Wrestling, I think they're called. I haven't actually been there before, but that's uh, where he comes from. 
So anyway. the goal is WWE. Um, of course, that is upper echelon. What what goals do you have now that you would like to uh, accomplish uh, on your way to the WWE? Um, you know, it's funny. Uh, I'm really aware right now that I'm entering into my um, my fifth year, like my fifth year anniversary is going to be uh, a year from July. I started on July 1st and coming up on my fourth anniversary and I'm like, okay, I'm reassessing my goals right now is what I'm getting at. Uh, I'm trying to figure out where I want to go, what I think is actually accomplishable in the next year and if I want to give myself more time or if I want to um, not stick with my, well, I guess stick with my word. You know, I told myself like by 30, um, but I've learned so much and grown so much in wrestling and met so many amazing people. It'd be really crazy to turn away from it. But um, I would really, really like to work on the East Coast, uh, particularly somewhere in like the New England area. You know, like New York obviously would be great. Um, I'd really like to do one of the NWA World Heavyweight Championship matches uh, while we're having them at Hollywood, obviously. But, um, I mean, I would do one of those matches anywhere. Um, I'd really like to ref in an ROH ring, obviously. I'd really like to ref in a New Japan, Lucha Underground, you know, PWG, like... All the all the places everybody else wants to work. Um, right. I don't know. I've gotten a. I've been really lucky on the West Coast. I've gotten to work with a lot of people um, that I didn't really know I was going to get a chance to work with. At least not this quickly. Um, so a lot of the like specific people that I want to work with have kind of been crossed off of my list already. I'd still really like to ref Coke Van at least once. It feels kind of funny that uh, we're, like, so closely connected but have never been on a show at the same time. Um, It's it's funny how that works. Right? You're just kind of, like, passing each other in the night. (laughs) (laughs) So, Um, I got... What? Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no. You finish, please. Oh, I was just going to say, like, uh, a few of my... Um, bigger goals were ones that I just got to cross off like really recently that I've been really, really lucky to have the opportunity. Um, Nick Bonanno, our head ref, has been really generous in some of the things that uh, he's been allowing me to uh, officiate over at Hollywood. So, you know, like I got to do a Hollywood Heritage Championship match, which was, or I've done a few of them, and that was, every time is like an amazing experience. Um I just, at our last taping, got to referee uh, the CZW world title match between MJF and Suede, and that was really important to me because, like, I was really invested in what we were doing with the PP3 Cup, um, and I was able to referee the uh, final match for that and, you know, be there when Suede was awarded the Cup. Uh, So it was a really nice kind of, like, full circle moment um, to be able to be in there and be a part of that match. Um, yeah, some really good things have happened in the last year. And, I mean, I think you should be really proud of a lot of those accomplishments because, uh, 
you know, I've seen um, some referees uh, in Southern California, you know, they get very comfortable with what they're doing. They've got their show here. They've got their show there. Their weekends are booked and they're content with that. And like to your point earlier, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, that's cool, man. If that's all you want to do, then just do the best damn job you can do. But um, I think it's really cool when any professional, you know, sets a goal and they start, you know, the uh, old adage, how do you eat an elephant? It's one bite at a time. And I, I kind of like to celebrate those victories with people because, you know, I, I, I'm in the same boat. You know, I have goals that I would like to reach too uh, on this side of uh, the wrestling, you know, uh, podcasting and writing and photography, you know, there's things that I want to accomplish. So I feel like when I see someone putting in the work and being rewarded for that and reaching their goals, that it's inspiring to someone like me who's like, okay, well, you know, I can do it too. I can reach where I want to go too. So, I mean, that to me, that's really cool and that's very inspiring and um, you, should, you should definitely be very proud of that. Thank you very much. That's something that I really uh, have been reflecting on and enjoying uh, the having social media for lately is like, um, I feel like we used to have to look for inspiration uh, in you know, like these idolized like celebrity figures uh, that we had like no contact with. And now we can find inspiration in our friends uh, on a regular basis. You know, like I, I tell people that I'm close with as well that, you know, I wouldn't be able to see on a day-to-day basis. You know, like I, a friend of mine, um, AJ Kirsch, uh, Broseph Joe Brody from hood slam uh, recently had knee surgery. And uh, just today, he posted a video on Instagram of how uh, he's finally able to do a full rotation on a bicycle at the gym. Uh, and nice. that's such a huge thing to be able to right. witness and be a part of uh, his journey on, you know? Yeah. You know, the, the great thing about social media, I heard this on the radio today and it's kind of fitting. Uh, everyone has a voice. Um, also the worst mm-hmm. thing about is that everyone has a voice. Um, yeah. <laughs> and there's so much good out there and sometimes it gets mucked up with all the, uh, negativity. That's why, um, one of my favorite quotes was from actually a baseball, uh, a former baseball player. And now he currently does uh, color commentary for the uh, Kansas city Royals, Rex Hudler. And his, his, uh, quote was, you know, the world is filled with drains. I wanted to be a fountain. And I think that's so cool, um, to kind of, you know, promote what you love, celebrate the positivity in the world, be, you know, be the change you want to see in the world. And that's something that I, I firmly believe in. And with all the PMA that I have in the world. And I think that's, that's so, uh, that's a great point that you made. There's a opportunity to be inspired every day uh, by people you already know. You just have to look around and see what's good in the world. I think uh, that's pretty awesome. Modi, that's a good call out right there. Thank you. So um, to kind of stray now a little bit, I mean, what initially got you and I talking about doing this podcast was all in shaking out. Um, now, of course, you are not privy to storyline for the National Wrestling Alliance. 
the things you know no. in championship wrestling from Hollywood are are only pertinent to what's going on in championship wrestling from Hollywood. But uh, what's going to happen with All In is kind of um, anybody's guess right now. And uh, sure. re, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Okay, I thought I, I thought I lost you there. Um, so reiterate for those who were not on our privy to our conversation. What your take? <laughs> what was your take on um, on All In? Well, um, as we've already reflected with each other as well, uh, some of the stuff is already coming to fruition. Um, we had a conversation, what was it, the day before the Okada Omega match? Yes. Um, okay, so anybody who has their head under a rock and doesn't know the result of that match should stop listening to this. I don't like spoilers. I really dislike spoilers, but we're going to go ahead and continue this conversation with all current knowledge. Um, so we started a conversation about how uh, – Cody Rhodes had issued a challenge to NWA World Heavyweight Champion Nick Aldis, uh, saying that he wanted to be the next person, well, not the next person, but that he wanted to compete for the NWA World Heavyweight Championship at All In, um, which Nick then countered with, you have a opportunity at the Ring of Honor World title coming up. If you win that and put that on the line, I'll put the NWA Championship on the line. Um, to which my mind immediately just kind of like um, just jumped into, you know, like armchair booking like we all do. But um, it seemed like it was a little too perfect that too many things were fitting into place. Uh, so my observation was that um, that Cody would then pick up the Ring of Honor uh, World Heavyweight Championship, then go on and face Nick for the NWA World Heavyweight Championship, uh, win that as well and um, combine the Ring of Honor and NWA titles. Uh, and then at the same time, uh, it made too much sense for me for uh, Okada and Omega to face each other again, which they were about to. Um, and after this long arc of them having these incredible matches where eventually if they keep facing each other, Omega has to overcome Okada. Like he can't, like just storytelling wise, like, you know, you can't rehash that rivalry over and over and over again without uh, the payoff coming eventually. Um, right. So it was my idea that uh, Cody would unify the titles and then Kenny Omega would beat Okada finally for the New Japan uh, IWGP uh, World Heavyweight Championship. Um, and that they would then eventually, because they've been, having a rivalry over leadership of the Bullet Club uh, face each other to um, put one or all of the belts on the line. Who knows what that match will actually look like um, if it ever happens. But uh, it was pretty crazy that the next day Omega beat Okada for the belt. And obviously I don't know anything behind the scenes of the New Japan booking, so... <laughs> Um, is a lucky guess. Well, it, it just to that point too, um, I was on my Instagram of that morning, uh, as I was reading your post and I, uh, I was at the, um, new Japan, uh, strong style long beach show, uh, earlier mm -hmm. this year. And, um, you know, I was 
way in the back, but my camera actually grabbed a few really good shots. I was kind of happy how they turned out. And one of the photos, of course, was of Kenny Omega. And I started mm-hmm. thinking about Kenny Omega, and this was before before I had read your post. I'm like, this guy is like the future of New Japan. I mean, he had opportunities to... He's not just to... the future of New Japan. Not to cut you off, but like Kenny Omega is the future of wrestling. Like I think a lot of well, people don't realize how big of an impact New Japan and like Bullet Club are having on like the whole world of wrestling right now. And and but, and that's 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 absolutely fair for you to po- uh, point out. And I think actually, you know, I'm, I'm pulling up my Instagram account right now so that I could get the right quote as to what <laughs> I said. Um, because I said something pretty similar. I, I said, uh, without question, Kenny Omega is one of the top wrestlers today, with or without the Bullet Club. He is the future of not just New Japan for wrestling, but of wrestling in totality. Um, exactly. And and when you see the guy, I mean, oozing with charisma, he had an opportunity to leave New Japan. There was rumors that he was coming to WWE. Obviously, he re-signed with New Japan earlier this year, had a huge match with Jericho, um, which in and of itself meant a whole lot, considering Jericho uh when he came to New Japan, had options of who he could work with. I'm sure they didn't just say, hey, work a match with Kenny Omega. Uh, right. Yeah. You know, I, no, I'm sure I he think went to they, New Japan to work Kenny, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and I'm, I'm, I'm almost positive that's the case. And then you've got, uh, you know, Kenny Omega as leader of the Bullet Club, even going back a year or two, filling in the shoes for AJ Styles, uh, you know, who AJ Styles was – nationally known in the United States, had lots of great matches in New Japan uh, while being a member of the TNA roster. But he, you know, he went to New Japan as a full-time, you know, already established star. Kenny Omega went to Japan and was working in DDT, was working in the Indies, and really built Mm -hmm. his name and legacy up. Now, yeah, he did spend time in WWE Developmental, as recently released on the WWE Network, uh, some mm-hmm. of his wrestling from East South Wrestling, but I and think that there's something to be, yeah, but I think there's something to be said about a guy who, like you said, with the Bullet Club, have been able to garner so much attention, uh, mainstream attention here in the United States for a product that mostly serviced for New Japan. I mean, yeah, we do uh, we do have access to the uh, New Japan World, and then it's also on Access TV. No pun intended there. Um, but it, it's it, to me, it's pretty amazing that you know Sports Illustrated is talking about the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega, uh, E3 with uh, the New Day and Kenny uh, Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks and being the elite and the crazy amount of viewership they have on that YouTube show. And it's incredible. It, it w- yeah, with what the Bucks and Kenny are doing, it's certainly revolutionizing the way we see pro wrestling and then you know with Cody Rhodes who's got this uh, devil may care attitude and you know a lot of the fire that his pops had in booking wrestling and 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 they're they've come together to do this all in and you're right there's so many of these this wouldn't have happened 10 years ago this wouldn't have happened five years ago uh I don't know if this happens if Cody Rhodes is still in the WWE it's almost like the perfect storm of so many different things had to happen to get to it's this incredible. 
it's incredible and, how many, like I was saying earlier, like luck and coincidence, you know, like, and timing. Timing is crazy how much it affects, like, the world of uh, professional wrestling. I mean, the world itself, obviously, but, um, yeah. Uh, you say it's uh, amazing to see, you know, the Bucks and Sports Illustrated. It's amazing to see pro wrestling in Sports <laughs> Illustrated, you know. Yeah, I know that, like, ESPN covered wrestling a long time ago, but, like, how long has it been since any kind of like major sports uh, publication has actually like even taken the time to even mention pro wrestling, let alone it was, give it uh, its own sections, you know? Hulkamania and the rock and roll wrestling connection of the early eighties for uh, <laughs> Titan sports. Uh, right. Yeah, no, I mean, ab- absolutely. This, and, and the crazy thing too, is the way that we're digesting, um, media i mean just as consumers right we're digesting things so much differently than we did even five years ago um you know when i first became a fan of wrestling and uh, i'm a little bit older than you but um you you know there was a thing called tape trading and people don't know what tape tape trading all right (laughs) okay well well, good congratulations you're one of the few (laughs) um because when the advent of YouTube came out and, you know, copyright or not, uh, legal or not, uh, all these video distribution sites, uh, video hosting sites, um, there's hundreds of hours of wrestling at your disposal. Free wrestling, heck, championship wrestling from Hollywood on Fight TV, Ring of Honor on Fight TV. Um, you know, get away. a lot of these, yeah, there's, there's so many different promotions who are just making that content available for free. And, you know, and, and God, I remember when, um, did you ever hear of a promotion out here in Southern California called Ultimate Pro Wrestling? Uh, yeah, I think I've heard of them. They were like, uh, that was, uh, the place where pretty much John Cena was found and the Miz got his break into wrestling and Samoa Joe kind of got big for them, um, where, uh, Christopher Daniels had a, a long run with them before going to Ring of Honor, and uh, uh, Frankie Kazarian was there. Um, a lot of great talent came out of there, but that was like a developmental for WWE's developmental. Um, they were gearing to try to get people signed. Like that was the whole point of the promotion was to just get their students signed, and Rick Bassman would get these big brick house dudes who would get signed, like. Um, Nathan Jones out of Australia was one of the guys that he got assigned to the WWE. Anyway, the, the story behind that is uh, they were producing their content free on the internet uh, in the early 2000s. And it was really crappy service. The show would drop. But the fact that they were trying to do that at such an early age, and now, I mean, you've got Dave Lagana tweeting in the middle of a championship wrestling from Hollywood show, hey, Tune into our YouTube channel to see a live uh, a live NWA World Title match at four right? o'clock. I oh mean, my God. It just it's just how weird the world has changed, and and how again how we distribute uh, content, how I mean how um, content is created and how it's distributed and how we digest it. Um, and I think that's that's also kind of leads to this as well because you know ten years ago. Uh, or I, I should say like maybe 15 years ago, uh, the young young bucks wouldn't have an outlet to make a being the elite type show. 
um, and all that creativity would have been kind of stuck in New Japan. And not that that's necessarily a bad thing for fans in New Japan, but, you know, that would have never seen the light of day in the United States or maybe on sure. tape trading exclusively. So to your point, yes, I, I mean, we are in a brave new world when it comes to pro wrestling and things are happening. I, I mean, I just heard an interview with Nick Aldis where he had mentioned, uh, you know, at five years ago, Last year, the NWA didn't even have a YouTube channel. Uh, five years ago, you would not hear of a former TNA champion wrestling a former WWE Intercontinental champion for the NWA title on a show that's not even it's not even a promotion. And and the show sold 10,000 tickets in 30 minutes. I mean, it's just insanity. It, it really is crazy. It's but, pretty incredible. <laughs> but here's where I pull it back in a little bit. Because I've, I don't want to say that I know what Lagana and Billy are thinking, because that would that's crazy. I have no idea, but I see them working their angles, and I think for the NWA to work with All In and the Young Bucks and Cody Rhodes, uh, and to a lesser extent Kenny Omega, I think attaching their name with such a hot commodity right now is a brilliant strategy um, that Absolutely. only works in the short term but it only works in the short term because I think, you know, their goal is to have their own content distributed. It won't just 10 pounds of gold, which I mean, I, I've been thoroughly enjoying those videos, but I think at some point they're going to have a one hour TV show or internet show or something of the sorts. And their champion has to be somebody who is available to them. Um, if you put the belt on Cody Rhodes or some sort of amalgamation of Cody Rhodes, Kenny Omega, or Nick Aldis, you know, having commitments to New Japan, having commitments to Ring of Honor, and the NWA kind of being the last man on the totem pole, it to me, just as a businessman, I don't think it makes a lot of sense getting your title locked up long-term and that kind of a deal. Now, a short-term deal, I could see that happening all day, every day. Um, sure. I could see Cody I could see Cody Rhodes winning that title at all in, but I could also see a dusty finish. I could see, uh, you know, the match just not having a, a clean finish at all. And I could see them having two or three more matches down the road. Um, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just uh, agreeing with your point. That's one of the, uh, the good and bad things like you were saying earlier uh about you know like this kind of armchair booking stuff you know like everybody wants to try and like have a good idea or whatever but at the end of the day it really is like people with jobs and contracts and things that they have to do in places that they have to be and uh if all the you know like uh stars don't align right then they just don't align right but i I agree a a short-term um a short-term victory could be really interesting. You never know if, you know, like he wins it at all in and then, you know, like uh, loses uh, a month later or a day later, or a week later, whatever it is, you know? Yeah. And, but I, I mean, to your point, how uh, historic would that be? It, it, it's, it's, it's kind of crazy because we're talking about what could be with wrestling. Um, and like I, I mentioned earlier, I, I listened to a Nick Aldis interview, uh, earlier today and he had mentioned like you know the sky's the limit with what they can do and although he doesn't speak for what the NWA is actually doing he says you know what's to stop them from working with a WWE wrestler 
like having a contracted WWE wrestler wrestle for a title outside of the organization. And, I mean, we're, we're kind of seeing that now. And we've seen it in the past, too, don't get me wrong. The WWE relationship with ECW um, before they obviously sold to McMahon. I mean, uh, I think, I, I don't know if you remembered if you followed ECW at yeah, the time. Yeah, of course. That was one of my, uh, uh, my first storylines. Where, where Mike Awesome was the champion, but he was signed to WCW, and he had to lose the title before going to WCW. So the WWE sent has to win the title off of Mike Awesome, and it was just like such a weird set of uh, circumstances. And right, uh, I I can think back to um, a lot of the. Uh, well, I don't know the specifics, but I know that. Uh, the Mark Curtis Memorial uh, shows that I think they were in Smoky Mountain where a lot of interpromotional matches happened, but they weren't on, you know, they obviously weren't on pay-per-view, but uh, I, I believe like Steven Regal wrestled like Chris Benoit when Regal was working for the WWE. And I, I, mm-hmm. I could be wrong with who he faced, but it was an interpromotional match and, you know, that would be unheard of, you know, just in the last five years, but, Nick, all those things that we're heading towards that in with uh, the WWE's partnership. There are so many examples of, uh, sorry, don't to cut you off, but like, no, no, you're good. so excited about uh, what's going on right now with the potential um, of all the matchups that we're seeing. Like I kind of, um, I try to use my Twitter and an Instagram as like kind of a, uh, a timeline for just everything in the world of wrestling that's going on. I follow everyone that I can and I just kind of try and observe everything that's going on. And uh, there's a few things that have been standing out to me lately that are just like crazy to ponder. So uh, Sammy Callahan was just recently talking on Jericho's podcast about how, um, you know, Impact and Lucha Underground and, uh, you know, like all these other companies are finally starting to like actually, um, you know, acknowledge that it's for the better of the wrestling community to work together and to actually like do cross promotional shows and, uh, you know, kind of try and expand their brand to all of the wrestling scene as a whole, as opposed to like trying to just like, uh, hoard your audience only to yourself, you know? Um, in addition to that, just as recently as, um, WrestleMania weekend, we saw Keith Lee, the WWN uh, champion, uh, champion, go into an NXT ring and defend in an NXT ring an independent wrestling title. Then right. you flash forward, you know, like, what, three months now, something like that, and uh, Adam Cole is about to go defend the North American Championship from NXT in an Evolve ring, like, these things are crazy. Uh, You know, obviously they have very close working relationships, but it's still like they're taking their belts and putting them out there into the indie scene, you know, like uh, Pete Dunne and the rest of the guys from Mustache Mountain have been hanging on to the United Kingdom championship and going to all kinds of promotions all over the East coast and into the UK. And, you know, like it's incredible to see it's self evident that the WWE is, very invested in being the flames of interest in professional wrestling as a whole in whatever positive way that they can right now. Like they see that people are growing in interest again, you know, or at least that's my observation. Yeah. And I mean, it's kind of, 
like my natural instinct goes and that's against everything Vince McMahon Jr. ever stood for but then you start thinking about it and well he was keeping Smoky Mountain afloat for many years as a developmental that none of us really understood what was going on he was keeping ECW around when clearly the money mismanagement and just uh you know, uh, Paulie has always been wonderfully in creative, but not a very great businessman when it's come to wrestling. And uh, ECW was certainly one of his like blessings and curses at the same time because he cultivated such a great audience and just such a great crowd, and and uh, and maybe even blew up just too fast for him to handle. But there was uh, there's lots of stories about WWE not just sending talent, but also financing some shows for ECW towards its dying days. So it's not like this is something that's crazy new, but I guess now that we're all in on it and we're all seeing it and we're hearing about it, being more recognized outside of the WWE, to your point, um, Impact is working with Lucha Underground, with AAA, with NOAA. Uh, you've got wrestlers from NOAA working with a promotion, IPW UK in, 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 in England. And then you've got Progress, who's working with the WWE, but also working with New Japan. And then you've mm-hmm. got uh, Bad Luck. Trail. I mean, you heard the news um, this morning about what uh, Triple H had said about New Japan, right? Yeah, he would be open to working with them, which, again, this is it's crazy. I mean, do you remember a few years ago when uh, Nakamura was the IWGP Intercontinental Champion and uh, Here, Brian Hamilton, uh, or excuse me, Go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say, let me uh, reiterate. Do you remember a few years ago when WWE wouldn't acknowledge the fact that New Japan existed? Right. Like, it's... Sorry. uh, Yeah. So Shinsuke's holding the Intercontinental Championship and Daniel Bryan. And uh, Daniel Bryan's holding the WWE Intercontinental Champion. The WWE was in Japan and Daniel Bryan was publicly advocating for a match of the two I, the two intercontinental champions and you know we didn't get it then but you know one of the belts that Jericho held multiple times while in the WWE was the intercontinental champion and he came to New Japan and won the intercontinental championship and and that's the other crazy thing too like we're talking about this talent being available to work with different people and different promotions and we know Jericho is loyal to McMahon in the United States but, uh, I mean, he was in a WWE ring um, at the uh, greatest Royal Rumble. And then just a few days later, he was attacking Naito in Japan. And it's just, it's it's mind-boggling. We've got Rey Mysterio, who uh, is part of this Aero Lucha group in Tennessee, running his own shows here in San Diego at the uh, the casino shows that he's doing. But then he's at the greatest Royal Rumble, and he's going to be taking part in the New Japan shows. He was here in Long Beach, but he was injured, and he'll be in San Francisco, and I think the Minion show, too. So it's, like, to your point, it's just a, a crazy time in pro wrestling where, you, you know, um, the indies are kind of what replaced the territory days. and But it really feels like we are back in a more of a territory days, but instead of being you know, San Antonio or uh, Los Angeles, you know, the territories are the United States, Japan, uh, Mexico, yeah. <laughs> UK. 
and like, hey, you know what, you want a wrestler? Well, okay, we'll ship him over. You send us someone. It, it, it's starting to feel like that again. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I get really excited too. I, this is a obviously this is um, something I think we're both pretty passionate about, and you know, uh, it's an incredible time to be a part of. Like, I feel like the next five, ten years of whatever's going to happen in wrestling is uh, nothing we've ever seen before. Um, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens at All In. It's going to be really interesting to see what happens on uh, Jericho's um, cruise. Cruise. Um, you know, whatever you think about the idea of the cruise, I've heard some people are really excited about it. Some people think it's silly. I think it's a cool idea. Um, but uh, one thing is for sure, he's got all the key players all collected in one place and something important in wrestling is going to happen there. You know, like um, you don't collect that much talent without something, you know, like uh, wrestling as a whole is the storyline now. Whereas, you know, people used to follow what happened on WWE religiously or only what happened on New Japan religiously or ECW or whatever it is. I feel like we have such access to all of these people and their stories now through social media that, yeah, like the wrestling scene is the story. And we're watching all of these people's uh, story arc, no matter what company they go to. So let let me tell you a funny story. Well, at least it's kind of funny. Um, before going to China, I told my wife, hey, I'm going to go to China to go watch championship wrestling from Hollywood. And again, my wife is uh, very similar to yours in that she's very supportive. Uh, she's been my muse on this wrestling website that I've been doing for 11 years now. And she, she's been my roadie for many wrestling shows. We actually went on a tour from... Oceanside, we lived in Anaheim. We traveled to Oceanside, to Yuma, Arizona, and to San Bernardino, California, in a three-day span following what the NWA was doing, which became the precursor to the championship wrestling from Hollywood. So so my, my wife has been very supportive as well. And I said, hey, they're going to defend the NWA world title in China. Uh, Colt Cabana, who my wife's a fan of, Versus Nick Aldis, I, I want to be there. We start talking about it. We start, how are we going to be able to justify you spending that much money to go out there? And then I said, okay, well, you know, maybe yes, maybe no. And then they start talking about this all-in show, and this is before they announced the date or where. And I'm like, oh, I want to go to that one too. And she goes, <laughs> okay, okay, well, well, let's see what we can figure out. And then the cruise came up. I'm like, all right, let's, I, I just, you know, I think I'm going to go to the cruise. And so my wife's like, okay, honey, you could do one of these. You can't do all three of them. <laughs> so, so I ended up picking the China show and uh, yeah, I, you know, I totally enjoyed it. And it was great hanging out with all those guys and seeing history being made. But I really feel like there's a lot more history to be made this year. And there's a lot more things that could happen. And I even tried to get Lagana to, to let it, let the, cat out of the bag uh, when I was in China. Hey, man, are you guys going to be in All In? Are you guys going to Chicago? Oh, I don't know. Maybe. Are you going to Chicago? Yeah, no, maybe. I'm we'll only going to Chicago. You're going to Chicago. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, so it was... Uh, I got to get my ticket. Can you give me a heads up so I can get a cheap flight? <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, and so, okay, I'm not going to brag here, but uh, we do a lot of uh, shopping on our credit card with the uh, mileage, right? So, 
I actually have enough that I could have flown to Chicago for free. I just would have had to pay nice. for the hotel and the, and the ticket. But, God, those ticket sales went so fast and so quick. I couldn't, you know, I couldn't justify spending three hundred dollars on a ticket, so I, yeah, I, I backed out. I mean, but, um, talk about all in. Talk about how quick Punk signing went through that uh, that day. He sold out all of his uh, autograph signing tickets. I guess you'd call it in what, like forty five seconds? Yeah. So let let's let's continue the conversation. You think CM Punk is done wrestling? Uh, I I stopped believing that anybody was done with wrestling uh, if they're still alive um, when Bret Hart went back to the WWE. It took him 12 years and whatever dollar amount it took, but eventually Bret Hart went back. If Bret will go back, anybody will go back. If Brock Lesnar and Stone Cold and all these long list of and Goldberg and Sting and all these other people went back. Eventually, Punk will go back. There's, you know, like ballpark. What he's like almost forty. He's got at least another thirty to forty years to just sit and mill about like whether or not he wants a Hall of Fame ring, whether or not he actually goes back and like wrestles for them, or even wrestles in general, uh, is completely up to him. But if you I don't know him as a person. I can't make assumptions about his personality. Um, right. From everything I've garnered through his interviews and whatnot, like he doesn't seem like the kind of person who can stop wrestling forever. Nobody who's as passionate about it as uh, he and many of the people who are around are um, can stay away from it that long. You know, like people will quote unquote retire and then come back, you know, like 27 times. Like, you know, no insult to them. I totally empathize and understand, but, like, how many times have, like, Mick Foley or Ric Flair or Terry Funk had their last match? You know, like, it's hard well, even, to turn off. Even Shawn Michaels is saying, well, maybe if I had one more match. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. If they're still alive, if <laughs> the need and the desire is still there, you know? And I That's a great point. can think of nothing more CM Punk uh, to do than him to never have another match. And then when he is like 60 or something like that, just comes knocking on Vince's door and is like, all right, I'm going to let you give me however many million dollars to induct me into the Hall of Fame. <laughs> you know, well, like, let's be honest, it won't be Vince's door, but... In- in that, in fair, that fair, time. very true, very true. Uh, that was a, a little marky of me. That'll probably be somebody else's door by then. <laughs> either it'll either be Triple H's or somebody at uh, ESPN, right? Yeah, right. Well, this has been a delightful conversation, Odie, and I'm glad you uh, were able to uh, fit me into your busy schedule to do this because uh, you know, I love talking wrestling, and that's what this show has always been about. Um, Absolutely, man. But but we are uh, rapidly approaching an hour and a half here, so I do want to kind of wrap things up. Um, where will you be next? What would you like to plug? What are some things that you want your uh, my listeners to be aware of so that they can become your followers as well? Um, sure. I'm actually really glad that you mentioned that because we haven't had an organic opportunity to talk about a company that I have a uh, 
really good opportunity with. Um, I've had a lot of really good opportunities with several companies, and uh, I appreciate them all, but this is uh, the newest one. Um, I don't know if you've heard of them. They're called Maverick Pro Wrestling out of uh, Southern California. Well, yeah, I'm, I, I used to run SoCal Uncensored. I know who Maverick is. Oh, I, I never knew connected. who any of the SoCal Uncensored guys are. I know you're very well connected, but I just don't know what gets on your radar is what I'm saying. You know, to an extent, everything's on my radar. And I'll be honest, like, I, I, I know some of the principles at Maverick, but I don't really I don't really know what's going on there. Um I know there was a lot of weird stuff going on with Maverick for a while, and um, some of the and management you know, honest, got less than a great reputation, and um, that kind of got dealt with, and uh, the people who were left behind to pick up the pieces, I believe, are really um, decent people who are trying to do everything that they can to make a, uh, a legitimate wave in the uh, independent pro wrestling scene. and. Um, yeah, I'm really enjoying working for them. I'm working with a lot of people that uh, I am working with for the first time. A lot of people from other parts of the country that I would never have a opportunity to work with. You know, I got to referee Keith Lee and JT Dunn, Kevin Cross the other uh, a couple of months ago. That was phenomenal. I got to referee the Gymnasty Boys, uh, you know, and uh, the Workhorsemen, like two incredible North Carolina teams that like I would have never even seen you know, that are, like, tearing, tearing up, evolve. Um, anyway, you were saying. Um, no, I just uh, we were talking about Maverick, I think, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, I think their next show is going to be a, a tribute show to ECW. It is June 23rd. Uh, we're going to have Heat Wave, which is a uh, callback to an old ECW pay-per-view. Uh, or maybe not pay-per-view. I know it was a, a like the one SoCal show that ECW did back in the day, if I'm not oh, mistaken. No, it, it was it was a pay-per-view. I was there. And oh, it was a pay-per-view. Okay. Do you know the story behind that? Do you know the story behind that? So, okay, so you're familiar with XPW, yes? Okay, so Extreme Pro Wrestling was Is very much Asian? wanting. Yes, that, that happened okay. at Heat Wave. Okay, so you're familiar with it. Uh, yes, for, I just didn't know it was at Heatwave. Okay, so just for the listeners, uh, ECW is making its first show in Southern California. I think it's really their first show west of uh, – I don't even think they – maybe west of Texas. I don't think they got anywhere out, out further out than Texas. And um, it was a stacked show. It was supposed to be, you know, their big – opportunity in SoCal. They were run, running the Grand Olympic Auditorium, and for those who don't know, that's a very historic wrestling building. Um, I mean, that's where Freddie Blassie wrestled. That's where John Tolos wrestled. That's where uh, the Guerreros uh, got their start. That's where Roddy Piper uh, became a name. Um, just a legendary building, and uh, so ECW was getting an opportunity to, to be there, but that's also where XPW had been running, and XPW, who <laughs> was an extreme promotion, uh, very much wanted to be in the same vein as ECW. In fact, originally believe the owner of XPW was trying to uh, bring ECW out to the West Coast. So needless to say, they came out here, and uh, it was a huge deal. Um, XPW was financed by a pornographic uh, movie uh, in uh, company, 
so they were able to afford a couple of first row seats for this ECW event. Nobody thought anything about it when a couple of wrestlers from XPW were ringside along with some mm-hmm. of their ring crew. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> there was there was a, a lot of heat already getting into it. The security had asked the XPW uh, wrestlers and uh, ring crew to change their shirts around because they didn't want to showcase the logo on their pay-per-view, which, you know, it's completely fair. It was an ECW pay-per-view. It shouldn't have been about XPW. XPW guys did it, and then during the middle of the Tommy Dreamer match, flipped the shirts around and chaos ensued, and the ECW roster emptied in. The locker room literally emptied out into the arena, chasing the, the staff and wrestlers of XPW out, and there's different stories, but a lot of people got beaten up that day. And it's, it's funny that <laughs> the one show that was in SoCal Heat Wave is what uh, it was what is being honored at Maverick Pro. I, I wonder if there'll be a Santino's Brother invasion of uh, pro wrestling that night. Ooh, look at you. <laughs> stirring it's the shit, stirring the shit. All right. It's going to be an interesting show no matter what. It's going to be uh, uh, like countless amount of first times for me. Uh, I'm going to get an opportunity to referee um, Jack Evans versus Chris Bay, which is going to blow that's going to be amazing. right off. Like for anybody yeah, out there listening amazing. who hasn't looked up Chris Bay, that's B-E-Y. Uh, it's 20 Bay team right now, and he is tearing up the – South Pacific wrestling scene, not even just Southern California. Like he's all over Arizona, he's all over Vegas, he's all over California. Like this kid is new, and he's hungry, and he can wrestle. Holy crap! Um, the match that I uh, I had the opportunity to ref between him and uh, Willie Mack was just oh my god, incredible. Um, so, yeah, him and Jack Evans, who I've been a, a Jack Evans fan since I was, like, 10 years old. It's going uh, to be incredible to see them uh, go at it with each other, you know, not to mention a litany of ECW originals who will be in the house and uh, definitely going to be worth the price of admission, uh, to say the least. Um, as far as other things uh, that I have going on, um coastline clash at uh, championship wrestling from Hollywood. We filmed some incredible matches, some great episodes and people will definitely have to watch. Uh, you know, if you're in the greater LA area, it's uh, KTVU, uh, Los Angeles, um, Saturdays at four o'clock. Um, That's KTV. Oh man. Where am I thinking? No, I'm back in the Bay area again. I go to too many different <laughs> cities. Please ignore me. I'm not a TV person. I apologize if Dave hears this. He's going to crucify me. <laughs> um, just watch Dave on Fight TV, over. everybody. F-I-T-E Dave, dot TV. It's a free app. <laughs> Dave, Dave, Dave doesn't put me over. He doesn't listen to this show. Oh, that's bad. I would listen. So, yeah, Fight TV. Fight TV, Coastline Clash, Championship Wrestling from Hollywood, uh, Maverick Pro has Heat Wave coming up. Um, there's going to be a uh, WWN seminar and tryout in Seattle um, the 4th of July weekend. Uh, I'm heading up there to try and see what kind of trouble I can stir up up there. Um, 
Yeah, three, two, one battle. I've got some uh, extended friends up there through a uh, a private referee group that uh, I created. Um, and kind of have made some really good um, relationships through that. Uh, so Look at you networking. I'm I'm kind of proud of it, you know. Like, I, uh, um, do you mind if I talk about it a little bit? No, absolutely. This is uh, this I is can be a, brief. I know we're time... wrapping up, but um. So about a year ago, I uh, I was just kind of farting around at home, and I was like, oh, I don't really know who the referees are throughout the world. I don't know what kind of um, scene there is, you know, because there's so so many avenues for you to learn about the wrestlers and about the companies and the characters and everything, but uh, nobody really, like, shines a light on the referees, which is fine. That's our role. We're supposed to blend into the background. Um, but right. I wanted to know who my coworkers were, basically. Um, so I created a group called Zebra Talk, and uh, I just invited every referee that I had met through my ventures, which was like 30 or 40 people um, from the West Coast and Vegas and stuff like that. And I put them into the group, and I was like, this is for literally any referee from, you know, he's just starting training today or she. We have a lot of female uh, members as well. All the way up to, you know, like Earl Hebner is welcome to be a part of the group, obviously. You know, right, anybody right, who wants right. to be a part is welcome as long as they've done Paris Stripes. Um, and overnight, it went from 40 people to 250 people. Um, and then over the last year, I've seen it grow all the way up to over 500 people. And now we have members in uh, Canada, the UK, Germany, Australia. New England, Chile, uh, Mexico, like obviously the U.S. all over. Like it's incredible. We have uh, at least like four different languages that are uh, spoken in the group. You know, like um, you were talking earlier today about video distribution and how it's evolved. I was, uh, I'm trying to get a, a thing going in our group right now where we critique uh, live streaming matches um, for the referee who's refereeing the match, like while it's happening. Um, so I was. Wow. Right before I talked to you, uh, leaving critiques, not that I'm in any place to critique people. I'm still very young, very green, and there's a lot more experienced, uh, educated people in the group uh, that are there. But uh, it's kind of my project, so I felt like I needed to say something. But, yeah, I was sure. critiquing a guy refereeing from Chile and then having this conversation with you, and it's just like it's crazy the way that life is going right now. And then through that, I met the people at 321 Battle uh, in Seattle that I'm going to be getting to meet for the first time in person very soon. Um, yeah. That's really crazy. cool, man. <laughs> Thank you. Um, well, you know, and um, I'm getting off topic, but I have to say it because I'm such a fan of his. There's a guy out there named Gary uh, Vaynerchuk. He's on social media as Gary B. And he is a he is a, a CEO of a like a digital media company, but the the long end of it is he is very much into uh, everybody as a character. Everybody in this world has something to sell, something to demonstrate, something to to share with somebody else. Now, you know, you specifically, you're a referee. And you've already built uh, your your brand in that the zebra talk. You're building your brand coming onto my podcast, talking about 
Zebra Talk, Zoc, uh, talking about MavPro, talking about championship wrestling from Hollywood. You are a character in this digital world who is creating a following. You've got your Facebook page. You've got your Instagram page. You've got your, your Twitter page. You are a brand, much like I am a brand. The Alliance blog, Alliance-Wrestling on uh, the website, the Facebook page. I even started a Twitch channel because I'm trying to reach as much of this of these eyeballs that are out there. It's free advertising. It's free. It's connecting with people who have that similar interest. And you've got to hustle. You've you got to work and you got to put in those hours. And it sounds like, you know, with this, with the, the, uh, the Facebook group, it sounds like that is so much potential for something big. And I, I, I'm very happy for you because I think a lot of positive can come from that group that you started. And I think that's pretty awesome, man. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it. And I don't, uh, I know exact. I know how big of a, an opportunity it is to be connected with that many people on that many levels, you know. And I know that, not even just for myself. Like one of my favorite things is watching as guys on there that I barely even know, being for a referee in a certain area that I have no connection with. I probably will never go to but just because I had the idea to create this thing, now they can connect with each other to make sure that a spot gets filled. Like, it's incredible. Yeah, that, that's awesome, man. Um, that That's exciting. Uh, but we do got to wrap this show up because it is 1030, yep. which we, yep. we've been talking for an hour and a half, believe it or not, about wrestling. I about think we can talk about wrestling until we're blue in the face, my friend. <laughs> I think that I think it's the, the longest uh, um, but, uh, yeah, this, this has been a, a very fun conversation. We should do this again sometime. Uh, but uh, best of luck to you uh, on the tryouts. Of course, uh, we'll hear it uh, on the, your Facebook page and on your social media. Which wh- wh- What are your social, social media outlets? Where can people follow you? Absolutely. So uh, I have a Facebook like page. You can find me at facebook.com backslash ref ODB, O-D-I-E, and the letter B. Um, and then, uh, that's like my official quote unquote referee name. <laughs> uh, but then, um, Twitter and Instagram are, uh, OD one Kenobi, OD the number one and then Kenobi like, uh, yeah. Kenobi with a D. <laughs> um, yeah, I, yeah. Look me I, up. I picked follow up me. It. I follow for follow. Like I, uh, I share a lot of nerdy stuff. I'm really into comics and movies outside of wrestling. I do a lot of acting stuff as well. Like, and obviously we can talk about wrestling until we're blue in the face. So it'd be cool to meet people. <laughs> well, again, I want to thank you for your time. I, I really enjoyed this and I had a lot of fun uh, talking to you tonight. So um, everyone, please follow Mr. Odie Brown for all of your referee wrestling needs. And uh, all right. have, uh, thanks again for coming on and I'll, I'll talk to you soon. Thank you again for the invite. Good talking to you, man. Hey, you have a good night. That was uh, the referee, Odie Brown, uh, great guy. Very happy to speak with him. Um, a lot of interesting things came from that conversation. And, uh, you know, uh, good guy. I really like that. Uh, so we're wrapping up the show here. Again, if you've uh, listened in, I appreciate your patronage. Please, if you would, follow us on Twitter at The Alliance Blog. And 
uh, we're also on Instagram at Alliance, the word dash wrestling. Someone already had it, so we had to make do with Alliance dash wrestling. You can also find us on uh, Facebook, Alliance Alliance Wrestling. We're also on uh, twitch.tv forward slash Alliance Wrestling. Um, you can find this podcast on Apple iTunes. You want to just check out uh, Google's, or excuse me, uh, search your, uh, search the iTunes uh, podcast page for the Alliance guys. And also, uh, I have a new project that I've been working on, JCal's View. You can search that on uh, iTunes or a lot of the other podcast uh, places um, you, where you go to get your podcast content. Uh, but I really uh, enjoy your guys' uh, patronage, and I really enjoy interacting. I hope you guys enjoyed this interview tonight. Uh, for our referee Odie Brown, uh, <clears throat> wow, just had a stroke there. For referee Odie Brown, for DKM, and for Jaden, who were both on assignment this evening, I am Jay Cal, and uh, we'll see you at the matches. This is the Alliance Guys podcast on Blog.